Hello, beautiful people. Uh-huh. I was wondering who's going to grab that bottle first. We're just going to casually leave that right there. So uh, today, this is not the rooster. This is now the Roscoe. We're taking over the show. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be interviewing Mr. Michael right here. That's me. Yes. About the rooster, ironically enough. So, <laughs> Michael, who are you? My name is Michael Carpenter. I, uh, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Um, probably most importantly, uh, being a father and a husband. But uh, what we're here to talk about is, is I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I, I'm the one opening the rooster in Gastonia. I, you know, several years ago, before the pandemic, before COVID went down. Yeah. I uh, I had a business before. Um, it's boring. I had a vending machine. I had vending machines. I had a whole bunch of vending machines, and I drove around all day, you know, pulling money out of machines and putting snacks in machines. And it wasn't a bad gig at all. Uh, it was, you know, at first it was fun. The exciting part was like getting good locations and stuff. But what happened was I, I got a good like rhythm going and I had a good route run. Yeah. And then I got super, super bored with it. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where it was too easy. Yeah. And I, you know, mentally, I need to be challenged. You know what I'm saying? Well, I like can I, totally relate. So, so you oh, feel yeah. like like you've always got to like move that goalpost to be a little bit better, be like get. That, yeah, absolutely. I need I need to have um, I, you know, people. You become a better person by you know figuring your way out through hardship. You know, that's how you become a strong person, you know, uh, pushing yourself, you know, to your limits, you know, getting, getting comfortable equals complacency and yeah. complacency leads to boredom and a whole lot of other evil things, you know, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. So, so that's what was happening. And my wife could, my, my wife saw it. She, yeah. Yeah, she could see me like not being me, yeah. you know? And so one night we were sitting outside together and, uh, she was like, Michael, you know, what's what the hell's wrong with you, man? What's going on? And, um, I, I told her, I said, I think this job's going to kill my soul. Wow. I said, I said, I did this, this, you know, this was a good idea, but it's not for me. Yeah. So, uh, so my wife she was like, figure it out. <laughs> so that's what she said. Figure it out. So I <laughs> like fix it. I said, okay. Cause she knows, she knew as well as I knew that I was the only person that could fix what was wrong, right? Of course, absolutely. So uh, anyways, I don't mean to pontificate, sorry. I, no, no, I you're good. Them. I was going to ask, um, so th is that why you chose a venue? Is because that's like the most, <laughs> you can't get bored doing that. <laughs> so there's, well, there's a lot of factors that went, you know, I've talked a lot uh, to people personally about all the different motivations for starting the rooster. Yeah. And and there's, there's a ton of them, but, um, there was this seed of an idea that was planted uh, several years before that, where my wife and I, we we frequent uh, concerts and, and live shows, entertainment, comedy shows, stage shows, all that stuff. And when we always would find ourselves driving an hour, hour and a half, two hours away for entertainment. Yeah. And one night we were on the way home from Ground Zero. Shout out to Mick. Um, we were on the way home from a Ground Zero show, and I, I, I we were talking. I was like, man we should just do this our, in Gastonia. Like, yeah. I, like we're, you know, we're always got these long rides home. We should, we should find a, a place to, to start doing music in Gastonia. 
And at the time, it was like a, you know, like a throwaway thought. Like, you know, that would be cool. Yeah. You know, how cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. So, but, and at the time, I had the, the vending thing going. I had just started the vending thing. So, yeah. this was like, se- you know, several years before. Well, fast forward to, to me being bored with life. And I had... Being being a business owner in in Gaston County, yeah, uh, I had gotten to know the people in the business community. You know, I'd started going to like you know chamber of commerce meetings and you know, leadership meetings, things like that. And uh, I through that I was started to get to know like the mechanics of of the town of the of the county and how you know business kind of how things stay afloat in a city. You know what makes everything run. And I also was privy to what was coming. So there, you know, there's this big baseball field now, the Gastonia Honey Hunters. Oh. Uh, we have a baseball team. So at the time, they were the deal was still being worked out to build that field. And there were some new apartments coming to downtown. They had just done some other apartments in downtown, and more foot traffic was coming to downtown Gastonia. You know, I, I could see Gastonia being a Greenville ten years from now. Yeah. You know, the, you know, it is, you yeah. know, area-wise, they're roughly the same size. You know, Greenville just had BMW you know, made the big investment and brought all the jobs and that's what brought all the people. And from there, you've got all these great venues and restaurants and stuff in Greenville. Well, we can do the same thing in Gastonia. So, you know, seeing what all was happening, there was one thing no one was talking about. Music. Entertainment. Yeah. Music and entertainment. The most important business there is. Well, if you want young professionals to move to your town, young young people who who have money to spend, you want to raise that tax revenue, you need people to spend money uh, and and you know apartments are great you know that gets people there but you got to give them something to do absolutely and you know not everyone's into baseball you know I, I i like it i go to the baseball games no you know no shade being thrown here it's just that not everyone's into that so uh, you know the, the wheels just is one of those like all these forces were working at work you know yeah. was, you know me being so bored with what i was doing and this 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 opportunity was starting to present itself because we had talked about this a few years before. It's like, hey, wouldn't that be cool? And so when she told me to figure it out, I started, you know, digging in the well of, of ideas and was like, maybe maybe this will work. Yeah, it's it's kind of filling two different needs. It's it's kind of bringing people to Gastonia, making it like a, a center, a spot for people to to go and hang out. You know, you don't have to go to other towns, you know, to go do stuff. Um, and you know, this love of music, I want to explore that just a little bit more. Yes. What, what about it being specifically a music venue? Because, you know, of course, entertainment can be a lot of different things. It could be a movie theater, but what about music (laughs) makes you really excited? Well, first of all, we will do more than just music, but mostly music. Yeah. We'll do comedy and, and other type of stage shows, but to your point, um, you know, way 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 back in the day long time ago in a land far away i was a musician <laughs> a long long time uh, yeah ago. i wasn't very good what'd you play i played bass hey, hey. <laughs> okay, a room so full of bass players for everyone watching at home uh we are a house full of bass players yeah. we all are you know kings of the low end so uh, <laughs> so you're right at home with us you're right at yes, home. yes i am so i was in a band called pale reason back in the 90s uh we were kind of like a grunge type alternative band oh cool now we sound you kind of take alice in chains nirvana pearl jam throw them all in a bucket and you had pale reason that's kind of what we sounded like cool <laughs> um, but um you know somewhere along the way i you know 
at some point I got busy with life and like the bass took a back seat and you know I just I didn't keep it going so you know I just took up the whole back seat and things are long <laughs> <laughs> Fender jazz bass it was white Ooh. with a pearl pick oh yeah. and you, yeah. you I, I would wager that you sold it I held on to it for a long time and oh. finally I finally sold it when in my mid-20s um but I had it for I had it from the time I was 16 to the time I was about 26 27 years old so I had it a good 10 years I bet you missed that thing I do I missed the hell out of it if I was to ever go buy a new base I would probably go try to find that very specific <laughs> model man it sounded so good man mm. I I tried all different types of strings on it, like, I, like I, flat wounds and all that. Yeah, I did that. I did the Ernie balls, but I always ended up going back to boomers just because That's of what the, I use. <laughs> just the sound. Yeah, the sound is so good, man. They they just sounds they got that twang that you want without being too slinky, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. It just mm -hmm. I just love the way they sounded. So so anyway, I, I put the bass down and it kind of moved on with my life, but my love for music never went away. You know, and my love for original, you know, creative things. Like, it's, for me, it's not just music, it's art in general. You know, I, like I said, we go to comedy shows, we go to stage shows, you know, musicals, oh, that kind of stuff. I just, I love the way art, you know, people can express themselves in ways that can connect with other people. And, you know, I, I know it's a bit of a cliche these days to say shit like this, but you know, music has saved my life numerous amount of times. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's been, you know, you talk about the highs and the lows of life. There have been times where a particular song or an album or artist kind of gets you through whatever hardship you're dealing with at the time. And without those albums, you know, where would I be? What would I have learned from those experiences if I didn't have that, sense of comfort that came with you know someone else's creation do you think that that um wanting to create that experience for someone because i'm sure Absolutely. you know people come oh, up to yes. me all the time i'm sure they come up to you guys all the time and oh, say yeah. you know hey thank you so much for playing tonight like i love going to shows like this is what keeps me happy you know is that what you're trying to do is kind of create that same experience for someone else absolutely that's that's i mean you you just broke it down to its simplest form like, cool. like really that's that's what i, I want to spread that love you know and i've often said like i'm not i don't look at the rooster as an opportunity to get rich although that would be wonderful <laughs> uh, if that happened this you know as long as we can pay the bills we'll i'll do this till the day i die hell yeah because oh, you know, well, <laughs> make, making make giving people an opportunity not i mean it's 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 so three-dimensional it's not just about people going and getting that experience at a show it's about the artists, guys like you, getting on stage and having an opportunity to make a connection with an audience. Absolutely. You know, like I'm, I'm not coming here to swing. Hey, I'm not trying to book national tournaments. I'm trying to get local, regional bands on our stage. We're building this big. We got this big, huge stage. Like we want to make you feel like a rock star. You know, I want you to. Yeah, I want you to wear the people out. You know what I'm saying? I want everyone to leave tired. The people want to be worn out. Yeah, I Absolutely. think they do too. You know, and then, and now you know timing. You talk about timing, right? Yeah. Mm. Like like timing has worked for and against me throughout this because, like I said before, <laughs> it was before COVID when I started this, right? Yeah. Oh, I so so I bought this building, you know, not knowing that you know Trump months from then, months from then, everything was going to shut down for two years. Surprise. Yeah. Right. So 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 it works. It works. It worked out in a good way because I was able to get this property before shit got so expensive. Yeah. Now you couldn't afford it. But it also worked against me in that I had to wait so long, it felt like, to get through the COVID thing, to get 
Yeah, it, it clogged right everything up. I mean, like yeah. you couldn't you couldn't get anything going during COVID. I mean, you couldn't go to doctor's appointments. You couldn't do this. Couldn't do that. Um, I feel the same way about that because Oralayer started March thirteenth is when we played our first show at Ground Zero. <laughs> Shout out, Mick. Shout out, Mick. <laughs> we played our first show that week, and everybody was just like, "What the fuck is COVID? I don't know what this is." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest, dude. Back in February, I, I was posting, you know, Corona bottle memes, like you know, trying to be funny about it because nobody knew what it was. Yeah, so, no. Yeah, and so you know, little did I know. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that little meme. <laughs> yeah, no, we all thought it was like what is that? Like H one N one back in the day and Ebola and stuff like that. You hear yeah. about it on the news, and it's like okay, one person got it somewhere in New York. All right, you know. But they bled from their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Bath salts will do that to you. Uh, <laughs> I want to. I want to. You know, we've shouted out Mick twice, so let me let me take let me let me yeah, take a minute to, 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 to give to give some real love to Mick Munchow, and I hope you're watching this, Mick. Um, one of the first things I did before I bought the building was I called Ground Zero. I I had only knew Mick in passing, just just yeah. from going to so many shows. I didn't know him personally, but I called down there and, and I and I asked if I could come down and talk to him. I said, "Let me take you to lunch, man. Let, let me just come down and take you to lunch." And and rightfully so, he was very apprehensive. Like, what does this dude want from me? Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. And that's exactly how I would have felt if someone did me the same way. Yeah. So I don't blame yeah. you at all, Mick, for being apprehensive. But what happened was we had this very long conversation, and he could see that I was genuine in my motives. That you know, I, you know, I, he gave me some of the best advice, and and the things that he said to me then have stuck have stuck with me now and as i've gone through this process of trying to get the place open i'm i'm not even open and i can already see some of the things that he warned me about with you know certain people in, in the business and in the way you know some people act and treat others and stuff yeah so mick i i mean i'm forever grateful for the time you took to talk to me and i hope that we can continue to build that relationship and you know work together to kind of help the music scene and it's said sorry i I didn't, no, no, I didn't since, mean to grandstand no, already yeah. no since we're already talking about Mick I mean we we, we all have like uh, a story uh you know we've all been to ground zero we've all seen really great shows I'll say in my own experience um our first like show show I mean we played like a parking lot with one of Nick's groups <laughs> on the back of like a truck bed and we took <laughs> video of it because we were just like oh my god well, like how can we how can we show this to Mick to like get on stage you know because we were like you know, how are we going to start playing shows at venues? And so I had this little tiny GoPro thing and I took video and I took audio of it and made these little video compilations. And I sent them to Mick and I was just like, Hey man, like, will you give us a, a shot and let us play there? And he fulfilled a huge dream of mine was to open for be at the means. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, everybody loves be at oh, the yeah. means, you know, they're like, every band's favorite band <laughs> and so That's such a good way to put it yeah yeah every band's favorite band <laughs> <laughs> they're amazing i mean they're incredible uh hope we and, can get them on our stage yeah oh man i i, I would love that wherever yes. you are josh we love you um <laughs> so he let us open for be at the means as our like first show at ground zero which was a huge milestone for me and i'm you know sure blake can talk about the many shows he's had at ground Dude, zero how amazing that was <laughs> with be at the means at ground zero at least 20 times yeah <laughs> so again shout out to Mick. 10 years ago when i started doing this thing like i mean one there really wasn't a whole lot of venues in greenville and rather the upstate like real venues not just dive bars and i'm talking about like a venue where people are there to see the music not to hang out and 
I mean, they're there to hang out, but like they're there for one thing. They want to see some music and they want to meet some people and have a good time. And and like 18 years old, I'm sitting there playing at this place, and I was like, "This is it. We're living the dream." Because I mean, it's like a big stage again. You know, you you go from playing in the corner of some smoky dive bar to like actually being on this platform, and it's, and like there's so many bands that would come through there. You got to play with, and I met so many friends that are still friends today from all that. So yeah, shout out to Mick for having something awesome while the rest of the world pushes back against him. Like I know he's had a lot of trouble with Spartanburg City, always trying to like undercut him and stuff. Assholes in the business everywhere. This dude keeps going. He's the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, yeah. That's the word the for Energizer, perseverance. Energizer Bunny of entrepreneurship. <laughs> and, and, and as far as the upstate music scene goes, whatever you want to call it, like this dude is the lifeblood of it for sure. For I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's places have come and gone. I don't want to get too deep down that rabbit hole, but yeah. but no, he's 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 a you know, immovable object. No, I mean yeah, the handlebar gone, you yeah. know, from downtown. It's a bowling alley now. Yeah. You know. Well, I want to I want to. You both alluded to something that that I very yeah, much for look it. forward to with the rooster, is you know you both talked about that feeling of like man I just want to get on stage and that feeling to get on stage the first time. I can't. I am so looking forward to providing that opportunity for real artists. Like yeah, one that's one of the things that makes me the happiest. Yeah, about what I'm doing is is being able to give people an opportunity. My hope is that the majority if not everybody takes that opportunity and just runs with it and you know let's let's make some ruckus let's, let's you know make some noise and and you know let's keep building this scene because you know greenville's got a pretty healthy scene yeah when music as far as music goes and charlotte's got their thing going on asheville's got their thing going on and you know hickory even has has you know a little bit of a scene up in hickory and marion area and we're right smack in the middle of all four of those of those cities. Oh yeah. You know, we can we can become like a connective tissue to make this whole region a scene, like turn it into the next, you know, region that puts out a you know, you've had you know, Seattle, Atlanta, you know, of course New York and LA are constants. Yeah. But you got you know, Sacramento even had, you know, back in the late nineties had a lot of bands coming out of there. You know, who's to say that, you know, the Southeast, Greenville, you know, Charlotte the area could be like the thing. next hub for great rock and roll, great country, you know, and that's the other thing is like, you know, we can, we can put all kinds of music on our stage, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, not being, dive bars are kind of married, they're tied to, you know, cover bands and I got nothing, like we're yeah. going to play a lot of cover bands, believe me, tribute bands, cover bands will play our stage. Yeah. But a lot of times as a musician doing being a, in a cover band you can feel like you're just background noise yeah mm -hmm. but we were i was just having a conversation about that with a friend of mine uh gavin you know it, it is one of those things that's like uh it can be kind of demoralizing to be that that background band so the focus is the music right and that's and that's what we want to do that's why i you know purposely we didn't put a big kitchen or nothing i i might do some snacks yeah we'll get a food truck out there but you know, I'm not you know, I'm not trying to have you come here and have dinner. I want you to come here and have a good time and be entertained. You know, I want your focus to be on that stage, you know. That's why we're gonna encourage people to like when the show starts to kinda, you know, settle in and, and be here for the show. You know, I'm sure there's gonna be, you know, people talking and stuff at the bar, but we're gonna encourage people. I'm not gonna tell people what to do. Yeah. But we're gonna encourage people to say, Hey, show's starting, let's you know, let's give these guys our full attention. You know, let's let's um, you know, let's have a great show. There's a place like that um, in in Greenville, downtown Greenville, called Swanson's, and what they'll do is, 
Uh, this guy, his name's Ash Lennox. Uh, he'll get on the microphone and be like, "All right, up next is this band and this band," and, and it en- encourages people to you know come back in from the smoke that's breaks our Cody. and stuff like that. Yeah, that's our Cody with a K. Yeah. Shout out to Cody with a K. That's going to be our guy. That 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 you know, he's our master of ceremonies, if you will. <laughs> the host. Cody. The host. Cody's quite the guy. Yeah. He's awesome. We love you, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I love his energy. He's got he's got a better face and a better voice than I do. So <laughs> so he's he's the guy. <laughs> Love you, brother, fun dude. I, I wish you, wish you were here, Cody. We have a fun time. Yeah. Um. Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, I like that. That's going to be kind of the connective tissue between, uh, like the Greenville area, Spartanburg, up through Charlotte, because that's kind of where it is. Is it kind of skips all over mm. that and goes straight to Charlotte? Because Columbia, South Carolina, even. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just this, this whole you know you you drop a pin in Gastonia, you can draw a circle that's you know 75 miles outside of gastonia and you've got all these hubs and there's all these great bands doing all this great stuff and it's so hard to get noticed because you know even if even if and i'll and i'll even say you know you know the planet does do some work to help promote local bands and yeah. you know, i appreciate the hell out of that they're pro- they're they're probably already pushing their limits with their corporate you know bosses you know yeah. doing what they do but there, even even if radio was as big as it was when I was coming up, yeah, you know, it's everyone's getting their music from their phones, from different streaming services, YouTube, and it's really really hard to get noticed on a big stage. So you know, if we can, if we can make a little noise, maybe we can start getting some of our music on, you know, some of our band's music on streaming platforms that you know that. On, on playlist is what yeah, I mean. Yeah. On certain, you know, start start messing with the algorithm in the southeast. You know what I mean? Well, and and on that point too, with giving like artists kind of bigger opportunities, do you foresee maybe like nationals coming to to the rooster and having the, the local support on that to be able to help them <laughs> Be- out? Before I answer that question, I'm gonna say this: I, you know, when I made the decision to do this, everybody that I know has a piece of advice yeah is the nice way to put it right um but a lot of people have asked me that question about national acts and here's what i'll say about it if an opportunity presents itself to book i don't know let's say uh, i'll use a band that's constantly torn like seven dust okay right? yeah. so they're they're i mean seven dust they're they're everywhere all the time they never stop touring yeah and they're a band that i might can catch in between Atlanta and DC or Atlanta and Raleigh and get them in the middle of the week for a reduced rate that I'll do. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to drop 10 grand on the show. Our, our capacity is 250 people. Yeah. Right. So I would have to charge, you know, 50, 60 bucks a ticket. You know, I'm not going to do that to people. I, I just, you know, you know, if we're successful and we do really well and I can, you know, find, you know, grow the business, maybe down the road, that's something I, I might be into, but I'm not sure that I really want to get into that because again, the heart of what we're trying to do at the rooster, what we really want to do is build a scene and, and be a platform for artists to get it to the next level. Yeah. You know, you need people, you need places like the rooster before you can get on that national level. And and there's kind of a, a lack of those types of places in, yeah. in where we live. So to answer your question is yes, I will book national acts when the opportunity presents itself for the deal that's right. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, you know, I don't ever want to, you know, there will be shows that we book where we might have to charge 30 bucks a ticket. Yeah. But I want to keep it, our tickets, $20 and under. You know, if we can charge between 10 and 20 for every show we put on or most of our shows, we can 
pay the bands, which by the way is very important. Yeah. I know you guys know that. I know you guys have played a lot of shows for a bar tab, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd rather I'd like to be able to put cash in, in you guys' hands, you know, and, and make it worth the trip, you know, make it worth your time. And that's why we will charge a cover. You know, that's you know, you, you never forget the adage that you get what you pay for. You know, you you pay us for to come see a show, you're gonna get a good show. And it encourages bands to to come back. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been, you know, like say traveling up up uh, north, and you you go to this random bar somewhere, and they're like, okay, for all three bands, here's twelve bucks, yeah. and they just kind of look at them like, twelve bucks, but I drove like six hours, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and that hurts. You know, you're just like, man, oh my god, it's a gut punch. But you know, it's, it happens sometimes. That's really cool that you that you're focusing on supporting the artists and making them feel welcome and also feel like they want to come back, you know? I feel like if we, you know, in order for us to be successful, we have to create that atmosphere. Yeah. You know, like, like you, know, at, at, you know, again, I'm not a very talented musician. I'm not like you guys. I'm not a professional musician. But what I am is I'm creative like that. Yeah. I, I, like, I like coming up with solutions and, and, and fun, you know, different things to, you know, you know, to, to help people out and, and, you know, let's just face it. I was never made to be an employee. <laughs> I just, okay. I, yeah, you, I, yeah. You know, this is a safe place to say that. It, it, yeah. Some people just don't like being told what to do. I, some I'm, people know what they, they, they trust their intuition. They know, I know what is right here is true to me. It's going to move me closer to my goals. And it's going to leave me feeling better after the fact, rather than doing it your way. Let me do it my way. I know that's the right way. I, I like that word intuition because that's what's led me through this whole process is my intuition as to what the right choices to make are and doing even all the way down to where the property's at. You know, I, you know. great spot, by the way. I mean, that, that is like the cool part of Gastonia. And then there's that little downtown area. There's like, it looks almost like something you see in Washington, DC. I don't know what it is, but it's, it, it's like right in that by that cigar bar over there, but that, oh yeah, the little uh, brick, uh, the, oh the pavilion, the, yeah, pavilion. Yeah, the, the pavilion. whole place is just so cool. It's got so much character. But I wanted to touch on one more thing that you said. You said that you wanted to focus on creating a certain type of atmosphere, yes. and I love that because that is is that's me. I'm the, I'm the guy paying ten dollars to come see a cool band at the door, drinking a couple Jack and Cokes or whatever you have at the bar, or a beer or two, or a few or a few too many. You never know. <laughs> So like, speaking of. what you're speaking of, yeah, let's, let's all, let's all have a little Finish turn, your thought. turn of the tequila. Also, thank you to my friend, Brian. He generously donated this very generous serving size of some fine tequila. But after we all take a swig out of the jug, oh, hell yeah. I, I want to know a little bit more in your headspace when it comes to creating the atmosphere. What does that atmosphere look and feel like? Like, what is your mission as far as that goes? So I want, uh, first and foremost, I want people to be professionals. You know, the, the, not just my staff, but the artists, our sound engineers, you know, the people behind the scenes. I want everyone to treat it with reverence and, and treat it like a professional atmosphere. And by doing that, we can create the experience that we're intending to create. If we're all lax about things and we're just kind of, you know, throwing shit together and, you know, it's, ah, fuck it. Like, if we take that attitude, that's what we're going to get. Yeah. It's, it's, we're going to get an off fuck it kind of show. You get what you give. Yeah. So, so number one, I want everyone involved to be professionals. Number two, I want to create a safe environment. That's why we will turn people away at the door that insist on bringing their gun in. People that insist on wearing colors or, 
you know, even, you know, patches and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Sorry, I've got nothing against, you know, any of those groups of people. Like, yeah. But I want all of you to come to the rooster. And in order for all of you to come and have a good time together, we got to keep some of that shit out of our four walls to make everyone feel comfortable. You know, I want, you know, I want to be, I want a biker to be able to hang out with a lawyer, you know, <laughs> and that kind of, you know what I mean? Like I yeah, want, yeah. and not in the courtroom. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So a biker yeah. and a lawyer walk yeah. into a bar. Right. It happens to be your bar. <laughs> My bar. An all-inclusive space. Why don't we roll on to something back? Let's roll back to another point. I want to ask about not just, of course, the rooster, the venue, but I want to kind of look back at why we're here to begin with, like how we're recording the show and the microphones and everything, because you also have a show called The Rooster. <laughs> And I kind of, and Rooster that's Radio. what we're on right now, yeah, Rooster, Rooster Radio. Radio. Even though Roscoe we're Radio. It, even though we're calling it Roscoe Radio, it's <laughs> just a joke. We're interviewing him this time instead of him interviewing us. But what what got you to the point of recording a show called The Rooster? Because I think that's fascinating. All right. So so when I started looking for property, um, I found the building. Once I had that building in my possession, yeah, I started going everywhere and promoting what we were about to do yeah. right i was like as i made business cards i created a website and was like created our social media page it was like hey i would show up to local shows in gastonia whenever there was someone playing live i'd hand them a business card send me your info all of the owners of the bars in downtown i started talking to them about what we're trying to do and so i spent about six months beating the street promoting what we were doing yeah i even and, got a t-shirt in the process that's right and that <laughs> created a bit of a buzz like like we started to get followers on social media and people were talking about us and it was like starting to you know this it was starting to take shape this idea of the rooster was starting to, to, to get wheels yeah. if you will right so COVID happens and and shut everything down and I'm like, oh shit! Like I, I've been out here, you know, because the, you know, when when everything shut down, it took two weeks for me to get in touch with my banker. Yeah. And I was like, and after two weeks of shutdown, I, he was like, Michael, he's like, you're this is gonna have to wait. Yeah. He's like, you, we're not gonna we're not gonna do this until this shutdown stuff's over. All right. So I go home that day, and I'm like. Like what, what am I gonna do? I I've, I put all of this energy and time into building like a reputation for the rooster. So I got the idea. I was like, what if we can't give bands a stage, but we can give bands a voice, right? I was like, what if we do a podcast? Like, so I called up Cody, who at the time was you know was like a a friend that was he was more of an acquaintance than a friend at the time because we we only really knew each other from going to shows together like we never really hung out on a daily basis but i knew that he was into the idea of the rooster and he was one of the earliest most supportive people yeah so i and i also knew that he likes to be an entertainer he he would go do open mic stand-up comedy he was a musician so i called up cody i said cody what do you think about doing like a podcast talking to artists? And he was just, I didn't even finish the sentence and he was like, yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I was like, all right. So I threw it out on social media. Would anybody be interested in doing a podcast? Yeah. And the handful of bands that we had started to build a relationship with was like, Hey, we'll do that. We'll do that. And shout out to block a here and, and, and buddy <laughs> shout out to buddy and Tessarosa, uh, uh, Cody and Bud, uh, buddy and Cody, Knew each other pretty well. I, I knew Buddy, uh, you know, 
just through friends. Yeah. So we reached out and they and Testarossa did our very first episode of Rooster Radio on Zoom. We were doing them on Zoom for like the first you know, I don't know, six or seven episodes. Yeah. And then one of the bands was like, oh, fuck it, we'll come to you. So, yeah. so we're like, all right. So we set up that little studio that you that you guys have been in at the house uh, and, and went from there. But it was it, it was an effort. To answer your question, Rooster Radio started as an effort to stay in front of people. Yeah. Just to keep people's attention on what we were doing and keep people interested in what we were doing. And I mean, shit, we did 60 episodes. Yeah. We did 60 episodes and, and we stopped because construction started and, you know, and you guys know I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. Very and and so once, once we open, we'll be able to move that show into our green room Ooh. and, and, and we can start, you know, we, we have better cameras. We have better microphones. Yeah. Like we already have the equipment now that, that will produce a better show than what we've, I mean, I think we've done some really cool, really great episodes, but it's going to get even better when we get into the green room and, and you know, we, and again, professional, it'll yeah. be more professional. You can tell listening to those first 60 episodes that you, know, you can tell we were doing it in my office at home, you know? Man, that, that's crazy how like, there's such an evolution with that, how it started from like zoom calls to like in studio <laughs> stuff to now you're actually getting to the venue and you can interview bands there. And it's going to be this like high production thing. Is it is it really fascinating to kind of look back on the first days of the podcast compared to now? Absolutely, because I had no clue what I was doing. Hey, we talk about a full circle moment that on that first interview you did with me and Buddy, like what two years ago now, almost. Yeah, wow. yeah. God. I was in this very same room. So, oh, you were back. here? Yes, this is yeah. where you were. Yeah. Nice. Was, That's awesome. I was sitting at a desk that was no longer in here, but I remember doing that. I did that on my iPad, right in this room. Yeah, oh, that, I mean, and it was fun. It was fun. It was a learning experience for sure because, you know, I'm not a professional broadcaster. I still don't claim to be. But what I what I do think I am is I think that I know how to ask interesting questions, you know, and and I I find it fascinating to know people's stories. I wanted I want you to tell your story. Like, again, the atmosphere that we're creating, you know, I, I like storytellers. I like I like when people talk about a song that they wrote and talk about the inspiration for it you know, before they play it or after they play it. And and those kind of stories, you know, I, I often say this, I say it to my kids all the time. I say it to my close friends all the time. Everyone's got a story. Everybody's got a story. Now, some of them might be born as shit, but, <laughs> but everyone still has a story to tell. So like, I, I get it, but I'm fascinated with people's stories. Like yeah. I want to know where the inspiration came from, you know, like what, what made you want to do this? Who was it that you listened to? You know, who, who introduced you to it? Because, you know, I rem I'll never forget, you know, thir being 13 years old and my best friend came home with a cassette tape mm. <laughs> of uh, Rage Against the Machine's first album. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I was 13 years old and he pops this tape in and within minutes, we're just, we're jumping up and down on the furniture. We're, you know, we're going nuts because we had never heard anything like that before. Yeah. It's like, what is this? Like, <laughs> you can say these things? And, and you know, from there, you know, the whole like grunge era, the, the, the heavy metal that I, you know, classic rock that I grew up on, you know, you know, I, I think back to, you know, Pink Floyd and Allison Chains and all these bands that, you know, even more current, even in my twenties, it was like, you know, bands like Evans Blue, who no one probably watching this knows who they are. But if you've never heard of Evans Blue, I that. highly recommend it. And you, you know that? Nice. Oh man. Hey. 
but Evans yeah. Blue, I mean, that, those first two albums, those are albums that, those are albums that helped me get through a very difficult time in my life. I mean, no shit like those, you know, beautifully well-written, good hard rock music with, with lyrics that are just, you know, transcendent, you know, lyrics that spoke to who I was inside, the feelings I was feeling, the things I was, emotions I was dealing with, you know, just that, those, I don't even, I fucking forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I, I was just, I got caught up in the moment. No, you know no, man, like, no, that's like, awesome. Like that's, that's the kind of experience is like knowing people's stories. Like, like had it not been for the influences of like the Pink Floyds and, and the Rage Against the Machines and, and all that, you know, my, I would not have developed the tastes that I have now. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I talk a lot about rock and roll cause I'm a metalhead at heart. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I also spent the majority of the nineties listening to hip hop cause Fuck what you say. Hip hop was a shit in the nineties. It's never going to get any better than that. Like it's never going to be that good. Dude, I need you to turn me on to some good nineties hip hop. Red man. Red just, man. just, just start with Red the, man. what the album start with what the album that, and, and just go and listen to the whole thing. Red yeah, man's man. the reason that I love hip hop. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and Mike, Wu-Tang, of course. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you letting us take over the show for a little bit, get to know you a little bit better, because you are an absolutely fascinating person. You got me a fascinating all story. <laughs> he got me all hyped. He is up. hyped, and I'm hyped too. I'm hyped that Michael's hyped. Dang. I want to, I want to hand the reins back over to you, my friend, yes. and let uh, you use your master uh, interviewing skills and oh and. Uh, here's some here's some stories and and uh pass the questions on to well us, so. i'll start by saying this i i i should have called you i almost called you over the weekend i woke up saturday morning with a song on my head herman the hearse driver <laughs> yeah <laughs> i woke up and that song was stuck in my head and i i should have called you to to shout it out but yeah i just kind of kept that little thing to myself and i'm just, glad you know, i'm finding out right now yeah. in person because <laughs> yeah. that's awesome that's <laughs> so, really awesome <laughs> so you guys have been busy in the lab testarossa and Orlay are both you guys have both been busy creating awesome music so tell me a little bit about you know herman the hearse driver is a solo thing yeah so that that's do you are you just call are you going by jake williams are you kimball kimball it's my middle name okay you're going by kimball it's solo but not so solo because i had some really great help from some really great friends, uh, two of which are sitting right here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself. I'm Jake Williams, and we have Mr. Blake Webb from Testarossa over here, and we have Nick Fox over here from Client 5 and Dandy and the Lions. So how how Herman the Hearst Driver came about, how it happened, was I just... I you know I write a lot of music with my band as everybody in their group does they write music with their group but sometimes I'm just alone down here in the studio with a with an acoustic guitar or electric guitar and you know I sing about my experiences and I'll try different chord progressions out and stuff like that and you know sometimes a song hits and you know you're like wow this is this is something I really like that's kind of a good tune I can remember that and um that, that's essentially how Herman the Hearst Driver started was I was down here sitting in the room just uh, next door. It's so catchy. <laughs> Thank it's you. so catchy. The, I couldn't get out of my head, sorry. The Boy. melody came first, and then I was singing the melody trying to figure out the chords. Um, that was something John Lennon said was, find your melody first and write your chords to your melody. And so that's what I did. I'd take a lot of and songwriting influence from the Beatles, obviously. I'm 
you ever watch my story. I'm pretty sure everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone does, whether they realize it or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, like, even you if, know who you are. The goats. <laughs> They're the goats. I mean, really. So yeah, I I I was working at um, a job. I'll call it messed my. Uh, you can figure it out. <laughs> I was really, really, really bummed about working this job and. Uh, if anybody who has ever worked during the pandemic can tell you, it's not fun. And they'll, you know, big corporations and companies will throw you under the bus very quickly. Um, you know, we had no masks. We had no safety equipment, nothing. We were just out there raw dog and pandemic. So that was what happened is like, I was really miserable in this job. And I wanted to kind of do my own Eleanor Rigby almost, where you write from a character's perspective instead yeah. of your own. Because, you know, there's... oddly enough, my daughter is hooked on Eleanor Rigby right now. It's a my great 11 song. year old daughter, they played it for her music class, and she is just nonstop playing it. I, I remember when I first heard it, and it Good was, it, it's, it really stops yeah. you in your tracks. That's yeah. White Album, isn't it? Um, Eleanor Rigby no that's not on White Album that's uh, we just bought that album I can't remember the name of it uh, we just bought it this past weekend we just bought the, the record um, I can't remember Magical the name of the album Mystery? no because that's what she thought it was on um, and we bought oh, that one too by the way. Yes. yes 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 the, it's Revolver the other, yes. the other yeah, White yeah, Album yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we just bought Revolver at the at the record store this weekend that's, that's a my great favorite Beatles album actually yeah and your bird can sing Tomorrow Ooh. Never Knows the Ooh. last track and then yeah <laughs> you know, if you know the song you know that it sounds like a bunch of birds calling but apparently yeah. it was like their laugh tracks played backwards or something that's incredible well, what's interesting you you were saying um about like writing music how, you know you're both in bands or you're all three in yeah. bands you're in two bands yeah but then sometimes <laughs> sometimes you write something and it's not for that band and like when i was coming up and like like uh, like let's like when Eddie Vedder or Scott Weiland or anybody would go on their own and do solo stuff, people would talk shit like like yeah. oh it's not it's not as good. It's like well first of all, an artist is gonna be an artist. Artist gonna artist right. You're gonna write stuff, and sometimes what you write isn't right for the band that that you're in. Yeah, and absolutely. that's how and that's where a lot of that comes from. And and a lot of I mean look, a lot of stuff that John Lennon wrote after the Beatles is just as good. Yeah, as most of the Beatles stuff, you know, and and people fail to realize like people that don't understand artists fail to realize that like some things aren't you can't put a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, they're not you know just what I'm attached to one thing. Like, if I would find it very surprising if any of the Beatles stopped making music after the Beatles, you know what I right. mean? Like, you know, George Harrison did a whole record of just like beeps and boops with a with a synthesizer. Mm -hmm. It was also in the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, God, I love that group. Great, great. Band. And you have Wings, you know? Yeah, I, mean, oh, Harding, yeah. I mean, like, there's, that's the thing is, like, an artist doesn't stop creating. And, you know, it's weird. I, I haven't really ever called myself an artist until recently because, I mean, that's what songwriting is. It's an art form. It's like, you know, making a painting or um, well, taking it's hard, a picture or something. It's hard to call yourself an artist and, until you've you've reached a point where you feel like what you're doing is good yeah you know what i mean like because because we all i tell this to my 11 year old daughter all the time harmony if you're watching this hear me again yeah you, know, you got to start somewhere like no one's going to be good at something right out the gate you have to learn that's the reason i, I don't play music anymore i suck because i gave it up <laughs> i stopped playing it 
and and now I don't have the time to retrain myself, right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, when we open the rooster, I can pick that bass up again and get going. Yeah. Find you a white <laughs> jazz bass somewhere. Yeah, that's 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 my intention is just to learn again because now when I pick it up, I've forgotten so much. But um, but the point that I'm making is like you know you got to put in some hours before you can wear that badge, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to put in the time to learn. And once you, and then, you know, most artists will reach a point where they're like, oh, wait, I'm on to something here. Yeah. And that's when you, that's when you can say, I'm an artist. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's a really interesting way of looking at it because I've never thought about it like that. I had it in my head for a long time that, um, like you have to write like a hundred good songs before you, or a hundred songs before you get to a good song. Some people do. Some people's, their first song is amazing and they never write anything ever again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But they're still an artist because they were able to make something that, that hit. Yeah, absolutely. That hit. hit, And when I say hit, it means it hit enough people and and to, to make them feel something, you know, you know, people, you know, people like to make fun of one hit wonders, but where would we be without a lot of those songs? And where would those people that made that art and their families be without that creation? You know, soapbox real fast. Everybody calls dead or alive. You spin me around. You've probably heard it on stranger things. They call them a one hit wonder. They're not. Listen to youth quake. You'll be very happy that you did. Well, Blake, talk, I want to hear. I want to hear Blake tell, and, and, and I want to hear you talk about writing music with Testarossa because you guys are very collaborative as well, aren't you? All right. So there's usually a couple different ways we go about it. Sometimes Colton just comes in, everything's written. He's like, "Oh no, man, you got to do this on bass," and then he'll have Jordan slow the hell on down with his playing. Nobody can keep up with Jordan. No. Jordan can even outrun himself, which is crazy. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. But my favorite. And, and like like knocking outside your door was one of those songs mm-hmm. that it was just like Colton just came in and I was like here it is and there was no. Like, What's crazy is that he wrote that story about an experience you had. Well, an experience my brother had. And so, long story short, I was like 15 years old and uh, my brother was driving me to school. He's like, I gotta t- I gotta tell you something. You can't tell our parents. I'm like, what? He's like, I picked up this guy. To make a very long story short, you pull out a gun. Yeah, you watch the he's song. Having a bad day. You got to check out the music video. Jake is, uh, is the star of yeah. the, the the sad guy in the video. What, what, I hold what I hold a gun. But 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 that that's I mean that story plays to my point about artists. That Colton wrote a song about an experience your brother had. Mm-hmm. Right, he was able to take a story that maybe your brother or yourself didn't didn't have the the inspiration or the ability to tell it in a way that Colton did. Yeah. Right. So, and that's what artists do. They humanize oh, everything, man. right? You humanize experience and, and tell a story in a way that makes us all feel something about it. Now I want to hear Nick talk a little bit. Cause you haven't said Nick, much. Nick has been very quiet. <clears throat> so tell us a little bit about your experience and how you became a musician and, and got into the bands that you're in. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really all started, uh, from a really early age, like my dad bought me my first guitar and it just kind of stuck with me. And uh, yeah, Jake's my cousin, so I got him <laughs> into it. And then Nick uh, was, Nick's been playing longer than any of us, actually. He mm-hmm. was the person who picked up a musical instrument before anyone. And what were you, where did you take lessons again? It was, was it East Side. It was East Side. I took yeah. a few, and then from there, like I kind of t- stopped taking lessons and kind of went on from there. 
But well, yeah. you guys are in the YouTube generation too, so you have the advantage of yes. being able to pull up YouTube videos. We didn't have that. We were that, yeah. <laughs> so, that we had much. books. We had books where we had to learn tablature and yeah, <laughs> very much so. I learned how to play guitar and bass from watching YouTube videos. Nick and and, and my journeys are parallel to each other, mm-hmm. and Blake as well. Very much. So. We we started as just these fledgling musicians and. You know, I I remember Nick was playing guitar, and like to me, he was like a god. Oh my god, he can play all these guitar <laughs> solos and like ace freely, you know. And I was he's like, got the oh, look too. Awesome. Oh he yeah, look, Nick, he definitely we used to looks. worship this guy. Yeah. Like, play the solo again, play it again. He's like, wow, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it was cool because you know, I I was like you know barely able to play bass a little bit, and you know, Nick was putting in hours and hours and hours, and uh, you know, he he. He's probably he the reason. I, yeah, he's the reason he I play music. Yeah, he's also the reason I play music. So I'll let you in on a secret. Had I not met this guy, I probably <laughs> would have never picked up the bass. When I was in the eighth grade, I would have this fantasy of of playing the bass guitar in front of the, the school auditorium, like just ripping out a crazy bass solo. Well, I didn't have a bass guitar, and even if I did have one, I wouldn't know how to use it. Well, in, when you're in the eighth grade, you can't just you know go drop three hundred dollars on a bass guitar because three hundred dollars is basically three million dollars. Yeah, you yeah. know, like <laughs> so. So it's it's the first day of my sophomore year in high school, and it's like eight eight in the morning, minute one, day one, first day of the year. So you look around, you're like, who's cool? Who's gonna be my friend this year? Yeah. This dude had a Halo shirt on. I'm like, I like Halo. Hey man, you can play Halo. And he goes, Yeah, we'll play some Halo. But he gave me his demo tape of his band. Nice. And he says, me and my cousin had, we have a band, man. We're looking for a bass player and a drummer. And I'm like, I want to be a bass player. He said, get your ass in the room and get a bass guitar. So my dad bought me my first bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then we just started making music, playing the talent shows and stuff together in the yeah. high school. And and Can I ask uh, Nick a question real yeah, fast? Yeah, yeah. Sure. What was your first impression of Blake? Hmm. <laughs> 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 He's like this motherfucker. I plead the fifth. You plead the fifth. <laughs> you thought I was an asshole, didn't you? Probably. Yeah. Oh, you, you clean. Don't I, I can't be an asshole. Do you think he was a little too excited? Blake? He's always had that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll 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 tell my first impressions of Blake. Uh, I was this like punk rock kid with my hair in my face, and I would wear only long sleeve shirts with the you know the thumbs cut out for. Oh, you were emo kid. I didn't listen to emo music, but I dressed like an emo kid. Okay, I fair enough. I didn't have emo, but I just didn't like emo music. Yeah, I hate emo music. So I saw, like, Nick was telling me about this kid that he met at school. What was that? You didn't go to the city to see a marching band? No, no. I have no idea. Oh, wait, that's probably a reference. <laughs> yeah, it I is. I don't know. So, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> you got it, right, Nick? Okay. They, they got it. I'm clueless. Cool <laughs> You're our best buddies and you didn't met. So, Nick was telling me about this this guy that he met at school who, who likes Halo. And so, we were like, all right, cool. And, you know, I remember he told me, he's like, he doesn't know how to play bass, but he's going to learn. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Nick brings this guy over to his house and Blake walks in. I'll never forget this. He was wearing a a blue Hollister uh, shirt Mm -hmm. and uh, he was wearing, I think it was like the American Eagle blue jeans. Yeah, that's exactly what they were. And And he had a swoop haircut, like the Bieber swoop almost. Nice. Um, My mom kept me styling. It was like you, were, you, were, you were like a model. <laughs> you were like them dudes that hung out at the mall in front of the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, I just wanted to be like my brother, so I copied his style because my brother was always getting ladies and I wasn't. So I was like, I should be more like him. Actually, my brother did pick up the acoustic guitar before I ever even picked up the bass guitar. So it was kind of cool and he stopped playing. So I just kind of was just like, one day I was like, try that thing because I'd, I'd like I don't, I'd only been playing bass for like a year at this time so I ne never really picked up like a guitar I didn't know how to do the thing so so one, one day I just started picking around but it, but I played bass for like a year before I even put hands on a guitar yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah I was my, my I had made really good friends with the guitar player in my band in high school and uh, before we were ever a band he, he had already was, was learning play he was taking lessons learning how to play and he would tell me about it, and and he was like, "We just toured a band." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know how to play." And he's like, just, "He's like, just get a bass guitar, man." He's like, "I'll teach you. I'll teach you." I was, like, yeah. I was like, "All right." And so my guitar player, shout out to Ricky Haney. Uh, Ricky Haney taught me how to play bass. That's um, awesome. And he, Thanks, he he was taking lessons and then coming home and teaching me what he was learning at his lessons. That's what and Nick that's was doing. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what Nick was doing. Yeah, that's how I learned. And I started thumping around, you know, getting a little funky with it, and. And we started, and for about a year and a half, it was just us. We couldn't find a drummer. And, uh, <laughs> which, which, from what I've learned by doing the podcast, seems to be a recurring theme it's for musicians. Really hard to find it's a drummer. Hard. <laughs> but, uh, hard. but no, we, we started, you know, we started hanging out with more and more different people, you know, getting in the music scene. Mm -hmm. And uh, we finally found this guy, Brock, who we were all 17 years old at the time. Yeah. And uh, me and Ricky started playing together at 16. And uh, Brock had been taking lessons since he was like 11 years old. Oh my God, yeah. dude, the dude, had, he had this beautiful blue pearl kit. Just, it was, I mean, the dude, he, it was double bass, not a pedal. He had a real double bass, you know, you know, we're 17. So we're like, oh, he had the rack, the Gibraltar rack. The thing was, you know, we thought it was Neil Pert. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like, whoa, this guy's amazing. We couldn't believe he wanted to play drums with us. And he was so good, and, and every song that we had written, like he he was able to just bang out the perfect drum beat for it. Like it, it didn't take him long at all to put something together. That's awesome. Now, funny enough, <laughs> he had a younger brother, and his younger brother started taking drum lessons at six years old, oh, and at the time man. he was eleven. So he'd been yeah. taking drum lessons for five years, and anytime we were on a break, he this little eleven year old kid would jump behind the drums and just. And he was just as good as Brock. He was just as good <laughs> as a seven to an eleven. Yeah. And uh, but he was he was kind of like a like a like a punk about it. You yeah. know what I mean, he's like a little punk about it. <laughs> he's like, know uh, I'm good. <laughs> so, so fast forward, that kid's name is Brent Cates, who ended up on Rooster Radio last year. Whoa. He he ended up doing he ended up becoming a traveling musician. He now sings and plays guitar. Like he started as oh, a drummer, cool. but now he can play it all. And so I want to shout out to Brent Cates, who, you know, you, that little 11-year-old annoying little brother kid is now like a bona fide, like, good. He's got two albums that he, uh, of his own music out. He was doing the Dave Matthews tribute thing for a while, and that actually took him around the country. Oh, wow. That was wow. cool. But he still gigs around the Charlotte scene now, and, you you know, go check him out at Brent Cates Music. He's a very, very talented guy. Yeah, I got to check him out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, so we find Brock, and... And like we finally had this drummer and and we get <laughs> we start playing backyard parties you know yeah. play you know wherever oh, yeah. wherever we can play we ended up playing a music festival that there was this uh, store 
in Gastonia next to the tattoo shop called the Music Zone. And it's where you could get vinyl records and, and bootleg CDs. Back in the 90s, bootleg CDs were the hot shit. Like, yeah. it would be like like recorded concerts of bands and Sounded like awful, singles. I'm sure. Oh, no, they were amazing. Oh, like, uh, yeah, 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 it was good. Bootleg. Yeah, yeah it was good, good bootlegs. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that ran that place, I don't remember his name. But he was a really cool dude. He had a band of his own, and uh, his band, they were putting together a festival in the parking lot behind the store. Oh, cool. So when he told us, and his band's name was Grumpy's Toy, so he was telling us about this music festival, and me and Ricky, like, 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 like you know, the record scratch, everything stopped. It was like, hold up. Can we play? Can we? Can we play? Yeah. Like we'll open, we'll open. Like, like, and he was like, "Sure." And so we're like, "Yes!" So we got to play on this big stage. It was awesome. We had a great time. Now, funny enough, and you might have to edit this out, but uh, the night before, we were so excited. We there was no sleep, right? Because yeah. this was like, like we had just done backyards up until now. So the night before the show, me and Ricky and a few of our friends all decide we're going to trip acid. <laughs> For some reason, we thought this was a good idea. So we took acid the night before and tripped the night before. And so morning comes, sun starts coming up. And, you know, at, we're supposed to hit the stage at noon. And we were like, fuck, how are we going to stay awake? And I said, I know. Let's take some more. So we took more at like 6 o'clock in the morning, five, 7 o'clock in the morning. And so we played, me and Ricky, Brock didn't do the acid, but me and Ricky were tripping our nuts off on that show. And and we killed it. We killed it. Awesome. Yeah, we were in a zone, man. We were in a zone. It was like yeah. Santana when they're all sitting there sweating and yeah, like, like bongos. And I had a Jerry Garcia tie-dye <laughs> shirt on. I had my sunglasses on so no one could see my eyes. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, we had a great time. But shortly after that, everything fell apart because one of the, I'm not going to name them, but one of the members of the band uh, got a girlfriend and, um, you know. Yoko Ono. Well, no, not even that. It's just I, he had never had anyone give him any attention. Really. Well, sex. Like he started oh, having okay. sex. Right. He started having sex. I'm trying to find a nice way to say it, yeah, but uh, he started having sex with this girl and just just stopped showing up. Yeah, and he just stopped showing up all Man, together. The power yeah. of penis compels you. I'm telling. So, so me, me and the other guy kept you know trying to put something together, but just nothing. Like no one clicked. You know, we'd have you know guys would come in and you know guys would be trying to write stabbing westward music, and we're like we're a grunge band, yeah. Yeah. Like we're not we're not an industrial rock band, like. We're a grunge band and we just never, so, you know, and then shortly after that life, you know, life takes yeah, over. Life happens. Yeah. I want to talk I a little it. bit about Blake and Nick's involvement with the recording process for Herman the Hearst Driver because uh, there's some, there's some pretty cool stories there. I, uh, <laughs> so you got some help. We had, we had a lot of help actually. Some help putting that song in because it's a very good song. Like I said, well, thanks. if you wake up with a song in your head, that's how you know it's a good song, right? Mm -hmm. I, got, I say this to people all the time. A good song is a good song. Whether it's country, rap, metal, rock, whatever it is, a good song's a good song. That's like You can't see her and act like Lady Gaga isn't a shit. She's she amazing. Is. I'm saying, She's incredible. Like, 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 I, I am not a pop music fan. It's my least genre, favorite genre of music. But Herman the Hearst Driver is a pop song. And I woke up with it in my head. <laughs> So you're, you're saying it's a good song? Fuck yeah, I'm saying it's a good song. I, I really a great appreciate song. that. That's all that warms my heart. Yeah, well, it's it's. I mean, it's different. You know, it's a story. You told a story. I, and you told it well. I try to tell stories, obviously, because that's... 
that's compelling for me as a listener, but I like writing pop music. Like I say in Aura Layer that we, we write stoner pop because <laughs> it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be stuff you can sing along to and get stuck in your head and that kind of thing. So when, when I, when we finally got like Herman the Hearst Driver as a, a completed song in my head, I was like, what do I do with it? You know, because <laughs> that's, that's the, the part, you know, where you're just like, does it become digital dust that sit on a computer forever because you recorded a demo or what do you do with it? And I, I believe in the song a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, I put a lot of time and effort and, and, uh, I guess soul into, uh, writing the song that I was like, how do I do it, you know, justice? And we, and I say we as in block a Nick over here and a friend of ours named Jellyman, you know who you are and you're amazing. Um, we, we started jamming a lot down mm-hmm. in this basement studio, not in this room, but the room next door. And we were just jamming a lot on different songs, just, just for fun. Cause you know, jelly man's an amazing drummer and it's always fun playing with an amazing drummer. So that's what we did. We just played music all the time. We would come down here and just play and play and play and play. And eventually we started playing Herman the Hearst driver. I was like, Hey, I've got a song I'd like to do. What did you think of it the first time you heard it when he played for you? I loved it. And so uh, me, me and Jake are actually real close. Like I remember when the, the the state of mind that he was in when he wrote the song. I remember him writing the song. This dude was burnt out on you know doing the same shit different day to the same point uh, uh, with the same shitty people every day. Not only did he have like burnout, but like he had like heartbreak too. Just like just constant toxic and negativity. He's just like, dude, I'm like a dog chasing my own tail. Just like. This, this sucks. He's burnt out. So he poured all his frustration to a song about writing a song about working yourself to the point that you die. And it's a really interesting way to, to tell that story because ironically, when you hear the song, at the end of the song, Herman takes a ride in the hearse in a strange turn of events. Yeah. So it's... the moral of the story is do something with your life that makes you feel alive while you have the time because your life will slip before before you realize time does not slow down as you get older. It actually speeds up. Well said, brother. Let me tell you, I'm glad you said that because uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm late to the party with this rooster thing. Don't be late. See what I did? See what I did? See what I did? Don't be late. No, no, no. Actually, no. I think it's all perfect, dude. Like, I know COVID slowed your roll, but like, it gave you more time to like really lock into what you're doing. Yeah. And now, and even, even though like, like, like you, again, you had all your momentum stopped, but now you have the silver lining. And the silver lining is people are stir crazy. People for the last two years didn't do anything. And now they're like, I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to go pay $10 to hear a band I've never heard of now because yeah. it's out and it's doing something with other people, which people have been deprived of for years. So as unfortunate as COVID has been, as far as the heartbreak and the, and the, the death and destruction that the virus caused for an entrepreneur or an artist, it's, there is a silver lining to this massively dark cloud. That is now that you know. I think we're, we're well. It's we're almost like this. the 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 playing field's been leveled. Yeah. Because <laughs> when everyone with everyone locked up for two years, like like like, there was no promotion. There was no sponsors and this and that. It's like everyone started doing it. Like how many people you know now are doing side gigs for work. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people have quit their jobs to to do the thing that they want to do. And so it's actually kind of 
get it's almost like the reset button was hit and it's like all right yeah. what's the next thing now like like what's coming up like just like you're writing this song you know you've given birth to a whole new project now yeah it, it feels it feels like it's a it's a whole new thing and and i won't get like too much into the the weeds on it but herman the hearse driver is just the beginning it's it's one song that's going to kind of be the i would say like the starting line for something new that i want to do because obviously i have a lot of fun in aura layer and i love you know playing with thomas and vlad they're great people and they're great musicians and i enjoy that and i have to have that space for it but there's going to be not just herman the hearse driver there's going to be another song and another song and another song and um when everything comes out which will be july 16th um you're going to see that you're going to see these little teaser for like what's coming next and where would people go to see these teasers so what what's dropping first is you know we're, we're going to be dropping the song on july 16th and we're also going to be dropping a music video on july 16th now when you say we who are you talking about uh well i guess i talk about the collaborative you know people right here block a nick and, and jelly man because it is really a group project um and i want to say too uh it's not just us four either it's also our friend philip cope who recorded the song and we could not have done that without him because Don't you love the humility he's so humble you're so Dude, humble. Seriously. no yeah. seriously like i could not have made it come out the way that i wanted it without phil's help um he recorded the aura layer record with us uh, in columbia and he just got the vision he did our ep as well and he got he got the vision that we're going after and he's such a great person to work with because he knows his shit and he's just as passionate about it you know we have a lot of fun working with phil i, I just i want to say I, I i'm so so grateful for guys like you you are all taking this craft seriously you're making music videos you're 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 going to you're doing whatever you have to to make get the production on the song to make it sound good for, for you know when you play it in your car or on your phone yeah you know, and that goes for all you guys man you guys are working so hard to put out and you're putting out good product like you know a lot of people are a lot more funded and they sound like shit <laughs> you know i'm saying like uh, you guys are you, know, you guys are doing the whole bootstrap thing and and you know you're you're getting help from your friends you're making collaborative efforts to produce content and the content is good and i, I just i just want if thank no one's much. told you that yeah i appreciate it thank you, uh, you thank know, you very much because you know it it is one of those things where, where you're working really hard and you hope something's going to come out of it. But, you know, I do it purely out of because this is what I, I need to be happy. You know what I mean? Like, I posted on Facebook the other day. Oh, I posted something on Facebook. But <laughs> it was, it was the only person who can make your dreams happen is you. Yeah. And that's why I'm, mm -hmm. you know, self-funding a lot of the stuff. You know, I pay for all the studio time and I pay for this music video and, and photography. And, you know, it... it I know that there's an almost zero percent chance that there's going to be a return on investment. I've invested well, you know a lot how of money. Mean, you know, but... like when when people talk, like the average person that's not a, that's not in the creative world. Yeah. When they talk about art, you know, they talk about what's on the TV and what's on the radio. Yeah. Do you have any idea how many stars have to align to get someone to that point? Like, there's. As talented as as a as a Lizzo or a Lady Gaga or a Bieber or Billie Eilish, Billie Eilish as talented as those people are, 
there are so many more people that are just as talented that don't have the opportunity. Yeah. Those people, <laughs> the people that you see on TV, the people that you hear on the radio, nine times out of 10, those people happen to be in circles of people that can get the, get those people the opportunities they need. Yeah. You know, be, there are so many professional musicians that you've never heard of that are just as good, just as talented, just as creative. They just never had the opportunity put in front of them. And that's why it's so, that's the reason I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about being professional, yeah. right? If we create yeah. this professional atmosphere at the rooster and we, and other bands get inspired by guys like you to take the shit seriously, we can make some noise and we can get those opportunities, but we don't get them unless we try and we, and we work hard and that's what you guys are doing. And this is laying foundation. This is laying groundwork for things to come. And even if you never get on national radio, it used to be MTV, right? Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> the, the, you know, even if you never get on that national level, you can still spend your whole life touring the country, even the world. You yeah. can you can go to other countries and play your music and never have your song played on the radio. Yeah. But you have to take it seriously. You have to treat it with reverence. And you have to treat it with love. And that's what you guys are doing. And, and I love it. And that's why Herman the Hearst Driver came out so good. That's why I woke up with the song <laughs> in my head. Because you took the time to make a good product. I really appreciate that, man. That's Those are some really kind words and some uh, really, really, uh, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. Because, you know, I, I think of it as just this, I guess, this tunnel vision of just trying to get what's in my head out there. Even if it's, you know, you know, even if it isn't like, uh, this high production thing it's something that I'm producing because I love it and you know if it inspires somebody else to be like well this guy's doing it why not me you know I, I well exactly really I respect that. yeah I mean I, I can relate you know I, you know I, I became a father at a young age so I had to go to work and I spent a long time working for other people and trying to do that whole corporate structure you know mm -hmm. And, you know, the shit's just not for me. And it has taken me the better part of a decade of working for myself to, to figure out how to get out of that mindset. Yeah. I, 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 like, like the corporate structure works for large companies, but it's when you're trying, you. it doesn't work for you, <laughs> right? You have to work for you. You have to be your own advocate. Like, you know, the rooster doesn't have a marketing budget and, you know, we don't have a, a, a team of people to, you know, create some sort of image. Like yeah. it's just this is homegrown, you know, grassroots shit, just like the musicians that we plan on putting on the stage. And that, and, you know, and that's, that's where we can all connect and relate. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, uh, again, I keep going back to the word scene. We can create a scene here. We can, we can create something that's special that, that we can all love and care about and inspire the next generation. And that's how, you know, that's how we make some noise, you know, by, by taking it seriously. I want, I, I want to talk about some of the creations that are happening right now. And I kind of want to go around the room a little bit to uh, start with Nick first, because Nick is in uh, two projects. He's, yeah. uh, so, Nick, what are those projects? Tell us a little bit about them. What 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 are you guys creating? Uh, so one band is, I'd say, more like a hard rock metal. That one is called Client 5. Um, so we've got some interesting stuff going on there. So we've got one song coming out, I believe, July 1st. Oh, cool. And then... This is news. Yeah. Pre-release <laughs> coming out, I think, 
me see, it was, let me check, it was the June 18th. That's actually just a few days. Wow. Ooh, all <laughs> so, right. Uh, less than two weeks away. Yeah. Look at that. Nick's uh, coming out with some music. So what's the song? What's it called? It's called can you Substance. Talk about? Substance? Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. But yeah, it's it's kind of fun. It's a banger, I think. All right. In my opinion. And that's hey, Client um, 5? Yeah, that's Client 5. And then, then what's the other project? My other band is Dandy and the Lions. So I'd say it's more, at least in my opinion, it's more like a pop rock kind of band. Like so. indie pop kind yeah. of thing so it's it's a lot of fun it's like a completely separate way all the little needs i've got but um we've got two shows coming up we've got one at in cahoots uh art bar that one is on the 11th and june 18th we are playing at the radio room oh very cool awesome. radio room shout yeah. out to yeah that's a cool place What's up wes you should, they should have flip-flopped the stage in the bar in that building. No? Yeah. <laughs> should have put the stage on the side that the door is. Yeah, right. But it's a cool place. It's man. a really yeah. cool place. I love the radio room. Yeah. Well, so uh, what what about Danny and the Lions? Or, or is anything coming out? We're we've got some stuff on Spotify, so definitely check that out. But we've we're in the middle of uh, Basic recording the EP. Yeah. Basic bitch. That's a great song. So you have an EP coming out with it. Uh, yeah, with I don't have a date for it quite yet. Okay, still, but it's, it's coming down the it's pipeline. in the works. Yeah, we're also going to be filming a music video for one of our Ooh, songs. So hey. nice. That one's going to be fun. It's a uh, that one's called Beer Gut Boys. Beer that Gut Boys. Right here, baby. Right here. I can't nice. wait to hear Adelaide sing He's about talking beer gut my boys. language. It's a great song. It, it's, it's a really great song. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, but, well, that's great. I'm really that's wonderful. excited. Yeah. <laughs> I love music videos, yeah. by the way. Like, I don't know about you guys, but when, when my wife and I have people over and we're hanging out and stuff, and we always, we got a TV in our garage, and we always end up on YouTube doing music videos. It's fun. It's, 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 it's so fun, much fun, dude. I love it. All right, Blake, let's hear what's, what's yeah, going what on. What are you doing, Blake? Well, as of right now, uh, Testarossa, we just released a music video. For our song welcome to the show and coincidentally we also released a song on streaming it is live right now so you can go on apple Woo. music spotify great video by the way thank you i love it i love <laughs> all, the video all that was shot on this iphone right here all really video, yeah just a little a little hand tripod and an yeah. iphone the, the, the new cameras were so good and then we obviously played to the the the, the track um, I have something so I've just, been dying to ask you, Blake. Yeah, I have been dying to ask you this. I've been you, waiting you wait for this got, exact you got moment. Hammers and microphones in front of us. Yeah. With it. So, the beer cereal. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude! I can't believe that? you oh, kept the smile on your face. Oh, that. It was horrible. Yeah. I, tasted, I got I got three bites in, and the third bite it was so nasty I had to go outside and spit it out. But I had to walk away from the trailer because it's out in the country, and I don't want a bunch of ants coming around. So I like went over to the road. And bleh. So, so I, I can't believe you kept that smile on your face because Blake has a huge smile. I, and, I was really happy. I want, well, I want, if you're not having fun. You're not. You're, if I'm not having fun, you're not having fun. And I want you to have fun while I sit here and suffer in front of you for, for three seconds of laughter. So, so I think it was, it was Colton's idea. I know that. I don't remember how it came to be, but like he just brought a bought a brought a box of rice rice krispies. I think. Yeah, it was rice and krispies. And so it, we just poured it in there, and you know, it's like a plastic Tupperware container or whatever. Bearded up, and then it's like who? who and some, he was like, "Who wants to eat this?" I was like. I'm a, I'll do it. I'll do so it. rock and roll. I'll do it. That is so rock and roll. I love it. I, dude, that dude Colton is 
he's a very stable genius. And what I mean by that <laughs> is that very stable dude, genius. This guy, this guy has the wackiest ideas. Cold is a very strange individual. Well, someone that acquired taste, but when you acquire the taste, you'll have a deep appreciation. He's sharp. For his character. Very he's, sharp. He's very sharp. He is oh, a very and sharp I appreciate dude, that about him. He is so brilliantly and subtly clever in so many ways that if if you if you not if you're not in tune with it, it'll go right over your head or right <laughs> up under you. But if you know, you know. Like the dude is brilliant. The dude is brilliant. But he has yeah. amazing ideas, and it's not just amazing at coming up with funny, silly ideas, but it's also just really a brilliant songwriter like the dude can just pull out and like a hit ah there's a hit and he just does it all the time and he do you come equipped with your own sound effects blake yes <laughs> yes i'm a package deal so i know that testarossa has been writing some so i've songs. heard mm, i am <laughs> the, the, the rumors are true so i i hear testarossa is writing some new music yeah too. actually into we're writing some new music so a little, I t- to answer your question you asked me before a lot of times Colt would just come in it's like here's a song like uh, uh, what's it like, like Knocking Outside Your Door is one of the songs he just came in with one day um, but there are some songs like uh, Son of a Bitch um, which, is, we, which is out on streaming that's one that was a little bit more of a collaborative writing effort Colton pretty much almost always writes has written all the lyrics of all the songs but Jordan also is a massive massive creative force in the band so he comes up with some of the most melodic stuff. So we've got a song called uh, Hard On You, uh, not released yet, but if you've heard us live, you've heard it. He just came in with a riff, and then we just took that riff and come in with a, with a, with a drum beat, and then Colton like, wait! And then he'll sit there and put his phone out and record, and he'll just go run around the, the practice pad singing gibberish and just literally just winging it on the fly, and then boom, we got a song. Those are my favorite songs that we write, are the ones where it just... It starts on one little riff or one little melody or something or an idea, and then we all are just sitting there with the idea. We actually recently wrote a song a couple weeks ago. We were all rehearsing, and we're like, man, we're tired of playing the same stuff. Like, We just sat there like, let's write something new. And so we're just like, you want to got any ideas? And then Jordan just starts playing a riff. And now it's one of my favorite songs that we have now. Is that Slow Burn? No, that's one of those. Slow Burn is one of those songs that was just, it started with Jordan playing that riff, and we were like, that's catchy. That's a really good song. They play it at some of the live shows. It's not out or anything yet, but man, that song just kicks so it's, much ass. That's actually one of my top three favorites to play. Real it's good. easy. <laughs> I don't have to sing backups on it, so I can just do whatever I want with my bass guitar. But so the, uh, I've mentioned a couple songs here that are not on streaming. Right now, we're actually getting ready to go into the studio and professionally record this stuff with Joe Potts, JP Audio Labs in uh, Bunker Hill, North Carolina. We love you, Joe. We love all that you do Shout for out. us. And thank you for making us sound so big and sexy, because you are. <laughs> well, if you've never had the pleasure of seeing a Tessa Russia show live, I highly recommend it. It's a very high energy, very fun, very fun show. I, I love the way you guys approach, you know, the art. You know, like you guys, you know, Tessa Rosa, you don't take yourself so seriously because you're putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the music's great. Like the music's there. Oh yeah. So they have the freedom to be a little silly, if you will, you know, for lack of a better term. Oh, I, yeah, silly. yeah. And 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 the silliness makes the show fun. Like it's hard. You can't go see Tessa Rosa and not like 
have Get, fun. Yeah, you gotta have a good time. Colt, Colt wearing a, a fanny pack is what it's sold it for me. I remember he wears it every <laughs> single day. I love it. I mean, it, it like Colt embodies the '80s in a lot of ways. Yeah, he, he does. He's, he's great like that. His taste in everything embodies the, the '80s. They're a wonderful band. I, I always love love seeing them. I love what Testeros is doing, and I can't wait to get you guys on our stage. I'm very excited. But I'll tell you who else I can't wait to get on stage, and that is this band right here, Oralayer. Jake, I want to talk for a minute about I want to talk for a minute about what Oralayer is up to these days. Man, we've got so much exciting stuff coming down the pipeline that it's it's like where do I start? Um, you know, from when we first uh, interviewed with you guys, like, what, that was in 2020, wasn't it? That was 2020, it? yeah. And, you know, we we were just kind of like a fledgling band. We started in 2020, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't really... You didn't have a, a recording to give you for a song. You had to... <laughs> Nothing. Uh, yeah, I think you guys, like, recorded yourselves at a show. We sent live And sent me live a live, uh, yeah, a live MP3. We didn't have anything. Uh, now... We started recording an EP in September of that year, and we released it. Um, no, no, I think we had uh, recorded the EP in like I don't know, it had to have been like May, and we released it uh, like August of 2021. And it was it was like one of those things that was like we were getting there, but we needed to we needed time. But now you know we've we've kind of found our footing. We we called our EP Solar Plexus Manipura. Um, is the chakra that we uh, were inspired by. And that's the chakra that's right here in your stomach. It's confidence. And that's what we were doing is we were building confidence in ourselves to be able to put out our work. You know, can we actually do this and sound good in the studio, you know? So we came out with the EP, uh, which is three songs. Um, three of those songs will be on the album. But now, you know, we, we met phil who we talked about earlier who did who did the ep he's done herman the hearse driver he's done our album and we just love working with him we went back in the studio with phil um and we recorded this this whole album starting in may of 2021 and we finished everything in may of 2022 wow. <laughs> on the same day that we started it was the same day we finished it that I was the, know that. that's awesome that was the day we so mastered sometimes it. it takes that long sometimes it, it does it really does but we wanted to make sure we have a very quality recording and a quality product and uh phil was along the whole ride we went into so many you know mixing sessions and just really worked very hard uh to make sure that this album sounds as good as possible and so we're really super excited to put it out we just got the artwork for it from our friend juan montoya uh he he did the wonderful artwork for the cover and i can't wait to show you guys what that's going to look like um so everything is there we just have to figure out how it's going to be put out but just know that the or layer record is coming and it's coming very soon I can't wait to hear it, man. I can't wait. When it comes out, we're going to bring you to the green room. Maybe we'll have you play a song on the show. I'll give you a preview before you leave. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love love this. I love being surrounded by creative people. I mean, this is what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. Right, like this, I, I it took me forty fucking years, but I figured it out. <laughs> Finally, you know, I figured it out. It, I it makes me so happy to get to spend time with creative people that are inspired. You know, there's I don't know. I, I feel the they, same. Way, I don't want to. I don't want to be mean, and I don't want to say negative things about people or other yeah. people. But you know, I'll just I'll just say the corporate world 
is so fucking boring. Yes. It, it is. is so it's 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 mind-numbingly boring. Well, like I already know what you're going to say before you say it. Exactly. I don't I don't want to be around people like that. I want to be around people that are going to surprise me and inspire me, challenge me, challenge my ideas. You know what I mean? I'm 40 years old and I'm still, you know, I'm still not a diehard anything other than fan of art. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I'm constantly evolving, learning, you learn new stuff. You learn from people, you know, it's the best way to learn, you know, outside of personal experience, you know, having someone that you're close to go through something is the next best way to learn, you know? And, you know, I just, I love being surrounded by creative people. So I just want to say thank you guys all for being, becoming into my life, man, and being thank a part you. of what we're doing. Thank you. It's great. Likewise. I'm going to I'm going to bounce off that point because that's actually the whole reason that I bought this house that we're sitting in is because I wanted a space to be able to make music and to be able to create and bring around really cool people and that's what we're doing, you know, playing with Nick right here, playing with Blake and uh, even having you down here and and Jellyman and I have some wonderful friends Gavin and Ash who also come around. It's great because, you know, we have this space where we can, you know, be creative and and have just a whole world to ourselves where there's pianos and amps and microphones and stuff like that you know it's just it's great and and being around people who teach you who you learn from that's like the most uh, inspiring and amazing thing that can possibly come out of all this is is creating amazing art and fun art where you i don't know feel fulfilled you know, yeah. and that's where I, that's you where do, I'm at you right do now. get a sense of fulfillment, you know, when when you create stuff for sure, for sure. Now, with that said, I want to wrap this part of the interview up because yes. there's a there's a new friend in my life that I'm finally going to get to meet for the first time. So I think it's about time to Cue bring out Roscoe. Theme. I think it's time to bring out Roscoe. So Roscoe is my wingman. We're gonna be bros literally. for life. Oh, he literally he's my wingman. So again, this 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 is a very one off special episode of the Rooster. And it's called nah, the Roscoe. This, this is Roscoe Rosco. Radio, this baby. This is Roscoe Radio today, and you're about to find out why right after this quick break. We're going to cut right here. Oh, this is Roscoe the Rock and Roll Yeah! Can I get it? Yeah! Roscoe, so what's it like being a bird? Like, huh? I've always wondered what it might be like to be a chicken or a parrot. So, or a rooster. A rooster? What do you, what, do you like? What, how is your experience being my wingman? Has it been good? Has it been good? I know you gotta lean into the microphone. All right, all right. He's a little camera shy. Yeah, it's okay. Hello? 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 <laughs> so, so, Mike, wave at him up and down like this. Hey. You say hello? Hey, Roscoe. Hi. Hey, buddy. Yes, I love it. Jake and Roscoe have a very interesting relationship. Jake is Roscoe's favorite dance partner, actually. Come on, do it. Get him going. Get him going again. Get him going again. Ready? Watch out. Here, Nick, do it. <laughs> 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 He's like, I'm gonna get that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> He's a showman. 
Is are you a showman? <laughs> yes, you are a showman, aren't you? <laughs> so Roscoe, how'd you meet Blake? Oh, we go way back. Um, through Nick's mother. Yeah. Tammy. I, I, I shout out to Tammy Fox. Yeah, shout out to Tammy for letting me take my wingman. But uh, she uh, she insisted that I adopt him because like he would just raise hell if I went over there. I wouldn't hang out with him. And he started giving her hell. And she's like, so he took a liking to you immediately. No, actually, like it was like over over ten years ago. I met him about five years ago. I played guitar for him, and he just started dancing. And okay, he was just very. We've been bros ever since. And they were really receptive to Blake because the thing is, is like. Blake is a different kind of energy and Roscoe <laughs> is a different kind of energy. So they just happen to energetically align. Yeah, we do. And, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, he's, he's the, he's Roscoe, the rock and roll macaw. I mean, he's, he's got so much personality. Oh yeah. So you were one cool dude, bud. Yeah, he's he very cool. Yeah. So check all of these guys out on social media. Follow us. Subscribe to us and everyone else's YouTube to keep up with it. And like I said earlier, you know we can really do something special with what we're doing with the rooster. But it doesn't happen without these guys. Without the artists, the rooster doesn't exist. So if you're watching this and you haven't already, reach out to us. We're at theroostergastonia.com. There's a booking tab on our website. I would prefer it if any band that wants to play our stage use that booking tab. That gets it to the place it needs to be so that I can reach out to you easier. Uh, but if you can't do that, uh, you know we're on Instagram and Facebook at The Rooster Gastonia. And we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, please subscribe to it so we can get our subscriptions up and we can maybe start creating lots of content that will get inside of your algorithms. And... Fellas, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks thank for you, having Michael, me down. So this has thank been you. an absolute pleasure. I love doing this. I can't wait to do this every day of my life for the rest of my life. And thank you to whoever's listening and watching because uh, we need you to do that so that we can keep doing this and bring you great content. Thank you so much, guys. Thank, thank you, beautiful you people. Goodbye, World Wide Web. Bye.